Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Part one of our NFC North opponent preview is brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. It's hard to believe, but football is almost back. The NFL preseason kicks off on August 1st with the Hall of Fame game, and soon we'll have regular season NFL and college football. This means it's time to make an account at the best online sports book known to man. That's right. I'm talking about my bookie. Sports betting is exploding in popularity. If you want to get in on the action with a trusted company that's been in business for years, my bookie is the place for you. With an easy, no-hassle mobile site, 24-7 customer service, and bets on every sport and prop imaginable, my bookie provides a fun, safe betting experience. Maybe you think Drew Brees and the Saints will get revenge over that blown call in the NFC Championship game. Or maybe you just think Brady and the Patriots are due for their seventh Super Bowl championship. Why not make money when your prediction comes true? And if you deposit today, MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus. That's right. You put in 100, they'll give you 50. You put in 1,000, they'll give you 500. It's that easy. Football weekends are the best, but they're even more thrilling when every touchdown can win you money. So go to mybookie.ag and sign up today with promo code BEARS100. That's promo code BEARS100 at mybookie. You play, you win, you get paid. The episode is also brought to you by SeatGeek. Let SeatGeek take the confusion out of your ticket-buying experience. Instead of shopping dozens of sites to find the best deal, let SeatGeek do the work for you. Their app scans the web for the best deals to your favorite game, concert, or show and rates them on a scale of 0 to 10 to let you know you're getting your let you know if you're getting the best bang for your buck a green dot means great deals yellow dots good deals red dots not so good use promo code acaa at checkout to receive twenty dollars off your first purchase that's twenty dollars off your first purchase so what are you waiting for that's promo code acaa at SeatGeek. life's an event we have the tickets my guest today to help us kick off the nfc north preview is our good friend jeremy reisman from Pride of Detroit on SB Nation. Uh, always love talking to uh, Jeremy. Uh, and as you've, you've heard me say several times about our NFC North uh, representatives, despite their allegiances, they are some of my favorite people in the world, some of my favorite people to talk to, and my favorite guests. So without further ado, the 2019 preview of the Detroit Lions with myself, Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit. We're in the home stretch now. Part one of the NFC North preview is the beginning of the end. We got Green Bay after this, Minnesota, our beloved Chicago Bears, and we'll be wrapping up all of our opponent previews and getting ready for training camp and the preseason and the long-awaited. I've been waiting for the 2019 regular season since the start of the 2018 regular season. That's how I've been. I just felt something about this team. And I hope to God that it all comes to fruition. What's going on, everybody? Larity back, part one of the NFC North preview, talking about the Detroit Lions. Our good friend Jeremy Ryzen will be joining us here in just a few moments to help us preview this uh, this Lions team and, and what they may have to offer, 
Will they be someone who spoils what's supposed to happen in the NFC North? Will they just be a nuisance that won't go away? Will they make their own mark? Uh, you know, and everything else, and we'll find out uh, what Jeremy thinks and uh, where he thinks his Lions uh, will end up being uh, in 2019. Uh, but before we get to that, I got a real quick uh, news and notes for you. Uh, the Bears released a, a uh, you know a press release earlier today saying that um, they're or is yesterday actually that they're going to release or uh, they're going to honor a different decade of the team's history at each home game this year, including preseason games. So if you can't make it to a regular season game, you go to a, a preseason game, they're still going to do something to honor uh, one of the one of the decades that the team has been in existence. If you go to preseason week one for Carolina, that's going to be the 1920s, so the infancy, the beginning, uh, if you will. Um, if you go to week four for the preseason finale against the Titans, that one will feature the 1950s. Uh, interesting decision there. Week one against the Packers on Thursday night football. It's got to be the 80s, right? That's Those are the glory days uh, for the Chicago Bears. So all of the uh, – they'll be honoring the 80s. And I'm not really sure how they're planning on doing that uh, and not exactly sure how they're going to honor it, if it's just going to be a video presentation or anything like that. Uh, I mean, granted, it's it's only the 80s, so I'm sure that there's you know, several of the guys who might be – in attendance kind of like the 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 100 uh, anniversary deal uh last month but we'll see the next home game week four against the vikings they're going to honor the 1930s so uh yeah september 29th against the vikings i i believe that's when we'll be wearing the either the orange jerseys or the throwbacks one of the two those new throwbacks that just came out or the orange jerseys i think it's the orange ones so piss on that game week seven against the new orleans saints be honoring the 1970s uh about the only good thing the 1970s brought us was uh walter payton and dan hampton i think we drafted him in 79 so uh yeah that's about all the 70s did for us but (laughs) it was not not a good time uh to be a bear fan in the 1970s week eight against the chargers will be the 2000s. So we got Erlacher and his glory days, Mike Brown, Alex Brown, so on and so forth. Uh, That should be fun. And let's see. We got Week 10 against the Lions, the 1940s, the most prolific decade in Bears history with at least, I think, four or five championships in the 1940s. Um, Let me see if it says here. Yeah, four championships between 1940 and 49. So four titles in the 40s the bears including uh the super bowl have won nine nfl championships so one super bowl eight nfl slash world championships before we won four of them in the 1940s so week number 10 for the lions will be the uh 1940s it's being honored the 1960s will be week 12 against the giants so the era that brought us butkus and sayers uh, along with our last championship before Super Bowl twenty in 1963. We'll be honoring the, the 1960s teams on uh, November 24th, week number 12. And let's see, week 14 against the Cowboys. That's the Thursday night uh, contest, the 1990s uh, against the Cowboys, December 5th. And let's see, week 16 against the Chiefs will be the 2010s. So the, 
the lovey teams and well yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> the the end of the lovey era the beginning of our downward spiral that had to happen in order for us to get right where we're at now with matt Nagy and finishing up the 2000s or 2010s i should say this is the last year of the decade hopefully will be the best one uh we've ever had so there you go that's the uh so they're not doing chronologically uh they're starting with the 20s going all the way to the 2010s ophthalmologist dr strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness he works with a virtual reality training platform developed by fundamental vr and orbis international to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need the result more confident capable surgeons and even more importantly patients who can see explore more stories like dr strauss's at meta.com metaverse impact as you write your life story you're far from finished Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast yeah, against the chiefs on sunday night football in week 16 that will be the last team that gets or the last decade uh that gets featured the 10th and final uh if you will the only other real news that's come out today is that the uh madden 20 released its um rookie ratings uh david montgomery no big surprise there was the top rated uh rookie uh, that the Bears drafted and or brought on. They even had guys like uh, Dax, Dax Raymond uh, and, and um, Hall, the wide receiver whose first name I'm forgetting all of a sudden. The wide receiver out of Missouri, uh, he's got like 94 speed and all that, but somehow he's only like a 63. Uh, Dax Raymond also a 63. David Montgomery, the rated highest of all the Bears rookies at 71. I got a feeling if everything goes the way that, um, like I listened to the uh, – Hogue and John's podcast. These are guys that are beat writers uh, for the Bears, so they go to OTA practices, and they are raving, just raving about David Montgomery. So I got a th- uh, feeling that uh, you know maybe with the um, with the advances and, and uh, you might be able to download a, an updated roster that will uh, uptick the uh, David Montgomery ratings once they've had a few games uh, under his belt. I don't know if they do that or not, but. We'll have to wait and see. So I think that's all we really have uh, for news and notes right now. Big announcements at the end of the episode. We got some, uh, I got some interviews lined up for the period between our last opponent preview and the uh, start of training camp and the preseason. We got four, four nice interviews uh, lined up. I'm looking forward to having all these people uh on the show and stick around after our talk with jeremy and i'll tell you all about them so uh let's go ahead and get to it part one of the nfc north preview with jeremy reisman from sb nation's pride of detroit talking about the 2019 detroit lions
Part one of our NFC North preview has us in Motown with the Motor City Kitties, the Detroit Lions. Uh, unfortunately, they took our place at the bottom of the division uh, last year and here to help us uh, preview, talk about 2018 and, and where it went wrong and, and where we can improve in 2019. Jeremy Reisman from SB Nation's Pride of Detroit. Jeremy, welcome back, man. Hey, always a pleasure to be here. So let's talk about 2018 for a bit, if you would like to. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I don't, but I will anyway. You'll gut it out for me. I <laughs> yeah, appreciate yeah. that. What a great <laughs> guest you are. But, uh, you know, it was uh, an interesting year uh, for you guys. It was a conversation that we had. I mean, we played each other back to back, so I felt like we talked to each other really quickly. Like we had yeah. to wait, to, like this year, we don't talk again until before week 10. Same thing from last year. I think it was week 10, week 11 before we finally talked and then bang right again on Thanksgiving 10 days later. We're back at it again. So one of those conversations we were talking about how the the Lions had those contradictory moves during the trade deadline. They traded away Golden Tate, which means you look like sellers. You're kind of packing it in, trying to finish out the year best you can, but you're not expecting much. But then you trade four. Snacks Harrison to shore up the middle of that defensive line. Your guys' run defense improves dramatically when he comes onto the scene. And it's basically kind of how confusing the year itself was, right? Absolutely. Um, one, one fun thing we're doing on our, our podcast right now is just going back and kind of reviewing the, the 2018 season and, and seeing what we know now in hindsight and all that stuff. One thing that I, I'd forgotten is through week seven, the Lions were three and three. They had just come off a big win yeah, over yeah. the Dolphins. The, the Chicago Bears were three and three at that time too. Everybody, it's like everybody, yeah. but I think the Packers were three. Well, yeah, it's like, like the Packers and the Vikings. They had the yeah. tie. So, right. but it's like, yeah, you were tied for first place with us. Or actually, I think three and three put us in last place after yeah. we lost to yep. after we lost to New England. It's like we went from first to worst in yep. one week. I remember so, that now. Yeah. Yeah. So the lines are three and three. They make that Snacks Harrison trade. So optimism is is high because those wins were against Miami on the road, not an easy place to win. The the Packers, always a tough out. Right. And the Patriots. So three they'd won three of their past four. Their their one loss in that last four was at Dallas in a close game. Mm-hmm. Lions fans are psyched right now. They they think they have a legitimate chance at the division. Um they, like I said, they they get that Snacks Harrison trade, which from the get-go, people were really excited about. The next week, they lose to Seattle. They trade Golden Tate a couple days later, and everything falls apart. Right. And it's it's kind of hard to come to terms with looking at back. I mean, the Bears were obviously a better team than we thought at that point. You right. know, they were probably better than the three and three team. But who knows how the year plays out if, if Golden Tate is still on that team? Because not shortly thereafter, the Lions lose Carry on Johnson to injury. They lose Marvin Jones to injury, and suddenly they have no offensive weapons outside of Kenny Galladay, and it shows on the field. They can't score any points. Their defense gets a little bit better. Certainly the run defense gets better with, with snacks on the team, but basically they don't have an offense worth sporting, and you know they collapse down the end, go 3-7 go and seven down the last 10 games and, and you know have a top-10 draft pick. Right. Well, I mean, I remember talking to you about that when we when we met up for the to preview the Thanksgiving game, talking and essentially reviewing the game that had just taken place like nine days uh, before talking about how if Stafford wasn't throwing the ball to Galladay, he threw it to no one else. Like he attempted this many passes and like 80 percent of them went to to Kenny Galladay. And you really could have used 
a Golden Tate to offset that in that game uh, against the Bears and, and, and how much it affected the fact that it, you were very one-dimensional in the passing game. As the, you know, It was very reminiscent of when Cutler would only look for Brandon Marshall when, right. the, when they were together. If it's not going to Brandon Marshall, it's going into the seats or something like that. Nobody else is getting the ball kind of thing. That's very much what that game reminded me of. It's going to Galladay or it's going nowhere. Yeah, and I think part of the issue, too, was just the Lions failed to address the tight end position. Stafford didn't have that security blanket because Eric Ebron was out of town. The Lions replaced him with Luke Wilson, uh, Levine Toilolo, um, basically guys that amassed to maybe 30 total catches on the year. Mm. Um, wasn't good enough. And and obviously the Lions uh, realized that this offseason and, and made a couple moves. We'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, just the, the lack of offensive weapons uh, as the season rolled on really hurt this team's chance to get back into the division race. And, and by week 12, week 13, it was pretty clear they weren't going to be in it. Yeah, tough tough game on Thanksgiving. It was a lot of fun uh, to watch, but the Bears were able to, to pull it out uh, in the end. And that's just kind of where the road seemed to fork there. Like yeah. The Bears were definitely going to the playoffs. The, at that point, you could say that the Lions definitely aren't. They played the best team in the division tough, but... They ended up losing. The Bears go to the playoffs. The Lions uh, just finish out the uh, the string. So we're heading to, into the uh, off season. Year one of Matt Patricia is behind you. Overall, what kind of grade would you give it? Like, was there, even though it didn't translate into as many wins that is that you would have liked, did you see any kind of progress? Is there a silver lining to the record that you finished with? Uh, I would say not so much in their overall record, um, considering this was a team coming off of back-to-back nine and seven seasons right first time the Lions had had back-to-back winning seasons since the mid-90s um I don't think there's anything salvageable in a six and ten record it's not acceptable even with the Lions you know even it being a first-time head coach even with a big defensive scheme change six and ten just isn't good enough um but there there certainly was some uh some signs of progress like I said the the defense improved as the season went on especially the run defense um I think at least in, in terms of there's more I, I feel like there's a little bit more progress being had in the offseason. Of course, every fan thinks that their team made extreme progress in the offseason. Right. But uh, the, the lines obviously added a lot of defensive help there um, and, and you know, changed offensive schemes too now. So um, I, I think there's reasons for optimism. There isn't the, the one thing I guess Lions fans might take from the 2018 season in terms of results on the field is the, be, the, the remnants of a running game being established. Carry on Johnson obviously had a really, really good rookie year. Average, I think, five, two, five, three yards per carry. Finally broke that streak of 100 yard game, or 100 yard rushing yards in a single game. Uh, and and it's, it's clear that's what the Lions wanted to do. And it's what they were able to do against a team like Miami, against a team like the Patriots and, and Green Bay. Um, they were able to control the clock, they were able to run the ball effectively and then kind of keep those opposing quarterbacks at bay. Um, they just weren't able to do it consistently. And, and once the talent kind of dropped off, they didn't have the depth to, to help out. So those are kind of the optimistic things that I think you can take from 2018. And, and going forward, I think there there is good reason to believe that the team may rebound in Patricia's second year. You did get rid of the man with the greatest name in football, did you not? <laughs> uh, Jim Bob Cooter? That, that would be the one. About? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Uh, who took Lions. his place? Uh, so Seattle's former offensive coordinator, Daryl Bevel. Okay. Uh, he, he took the year off in 2018, but um, 
the the one thing that I think is significant about that signing is it's the first coaching hire since kind of the Bob Quinn, uh, Matt Patricia era where they went outside of their comfort zone. This is a guy that nobody has worked with before. This is a guy that probably has similar philosophies to what Matt Patricia wants to do, but um, I think fans were a little bit relieved to see him go outside of his comfort zone, not just hire a guy that he knows, hire a guy that might have value that you know, he could bounce ideas off of and not just take orders, you know? So, uh, and, and it kind of fits in with that whole mentality that the team wants to run the ball a little more, which, you know, depending on who you ask is either a really smart strategy to kind of go against the grain of what the NFL is becoming or a really stupid strategy in that (laughs) this is a passing league. Now, what are you doing? You're, you're trying to bring things back to the nineties and, um, we'll, we'll see which one wins out. Um, Obviously, there's still a, a place, I think, in this league for teams that can run the ball. I don't know if it's the way to build a team, but I think it's it's a way that can work. I think it might be the safest way yeah. to build a team, you know, because there's there's a lot of room for error when you're when when you're a, a pass heavy uh, a team, you know, for interceptions and, sure. and uh, you know, the, just scheme mistakes. There's very little that can go wrong if you just say. Here, take the ball and run it forward. Run to the left side, run to the right. <laughs> There's not as much that can go wrong as it could be in some kind of a, a passing situation. And um, so I think it is kind of the safest way to to do it. It might might be the most productive, but it's definitely, I think, the safest way to to build a foundation at the very least. Yeah, and I, I think I think there's definitely some truth to that. It's just a hard sell for fans when you see teams like the Rams and the Chiefs putting up 40, 40 bombs every week. Right. And it's also kind of a hard sell when you have Matthew Stafford, you know, one of the most uh, expensive quarterbacks in the league. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to come to terms with taking the ball a little bit out of his hands in the game plan. And I, I think some of the talk is a little bit overstated. The Lions are still going to throw the ball deep. They're still going to use Matthew Stafford's arm. Um, but but there is going to be a, a bit of a change in philosophy in that they, they really do want to be able to control the clock. And the Lions haven't, you know, been in the top half of the league in rushing yards. Almost, I think, I think you have to go really close to the Barry Sanders era to get there. That's how bad it's been. And so, um, you know, why not try that? Why not try something that works, or that might work? Because obviously what the Lions have been doing before, you know, trying to pass the ball, getting Matthew Stafford killed with 40 sacks a, a year, maybe take a little bit of the load off his shoulders and, and see what happens because uh, the Lions have, you know, two, three decades of, of nothing right uh, over the past 30 years. So yeah, try and, something different. And Stafford's not getting any younger either. Absolutely. So, I mean, he's in, this is what, year 10 or 11 for him now? I believe this is 10th year, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he's, uh, yeah, it, it, <laughs> your body doesn't get stronger as you get older, despite right. what Tom Brady says. Uh, <laughs> that's just not how it works, so... You know, you get to play until you're 45 when you have Tom Brady's offensive line and offensive line coach. That's when you can play into your mid-40s. If you're taking a beating like Stafford has from time to time, playing until you're 40 is kind of a stretch. So yeah. um, you got to take he, advantage of the time he's got left. He's he's not eating the avocado ice cream like Tom Brady is. Right. He's chugging beers. Right. And doing it <laughs> correctly, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. <laughs> you know, even Mitch Trubisky made him look like a pussy on, on television. So. I thought that was pretty great. <laughs> and then, great. of course, he had, like, the most juvenile response to, well, what have they done? And uh, like, whatever, dude. It's, yeah. it's not, we're not even talking about that right now. We're talking about how you didn't look like a stud. And, you right. know, what was it? Uh, Bakhtieri downing a, a, a keg right there on, <laughs> on the court, and he's sipping at his beer. Trubisky's chugging it down like a man. Stafford <laughs> pounded one down. Like, where you at, bro? Where you at? 
you know where. My favorite is that he kind of he tried to take the high road. He's like, well, you know, if it was like a a, a barrel whiskey, then maybe I could have drank it past. I'm just like, okay, sure, sure, okay, bud. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, let's talk about some of these free agent signings that you had uh, this year. You you guys were certainly busy. Yeah. Um, didn't really make any like you know banner moves or anything that that would make nationwide headlines, but you certainly did. Uh, bring in uh, a lot of guys. Uh, Danny Amendola, who obviously has some familiarity uh, with Patricia in, in uh, New England, even though he's coming from Miami. Uh, C.J. Anderson, who had a bit of a uh, renaissance at the end of the year with the with the Rams. Uh, Tommy Lee Lewis, who is famous because he was the victim in the NFC Championship uh, blown call for yep. pass interference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jermaine Curse from the uh, Jets, the wide receiver uh, as well. And... Uh, Let's see. On defense, you got Trey Flowers yep. uh, from New England, another Patriot guy with some familiarity uh, there. And uh, let's see, who else did we get? Justin Coleman was was kind of a, an undersold signing. Hmm. Um, some some would argue he's he's a top five uh, nickel corner in the league. Lions signed him like one. He signed him to a four year, thirty six million dollar contract. So right, yeah. You know they're they're planning on him being a, a big part. And and I think the other big one, as, as you mentioned, is Trey Flowers. Um, Lions lost Ziggy Ansah. They needed an edge guy. Trey Flowers is a guy who's going to be an easy fit. He's going to slide right into to Patricia's defense, seeing as he came from Patricia's defense, um, and and you know signed him to a ninety million deal. So he's he's going to be kind of a cornerstone of that defense going forward, and he might be kind of the missing piece because as good as Ezekiel Ansah has been with the Lions, he just struggled to find the field and. Right. Trey Flowers hasn't had that problem over his career. Knock on wood, he doesn't have that problem now that he's in Detroit. But um, this is kind of the defensive revolution that I was talking about that I was alluding to. Lines added a couple really big pieces in, in those two, Coleman and Flowers, um, and they're pieces of need. The Lions struggled to create pressure last year, and they struggled to, to cover, especially in the slot. So those two guys are, are starters. They're, they're mainstays. They, they signed you know four- and five-year deals, so they're going to be here for a while. And, and the Lions are going to make them cornerstones of their defense. And looking at your free agent losses, uh, the guys that have left the team, whether either they were leased or, or just signed with other teams, like Glover Quinn, TJ Lang, you, you mentioned Ezekiel's, uh, Zekans, Ansa, that's, that's his last name, <laughs> and LeGarrette Blunt. So it's like mm-hmm. looking at, like those are, those are guys that were cornerstones last year, and they're all gone now. Uh, especially who was it that you were, you were, you were sad to see Clover Quinn go, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Cause I remember Glover you Qu- talking about it on, on Twitter. Like this was a sad day for you kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was kind of a pleasure to talk to in the locker room. He's a really good personality. It's, it's just kind of unfortunate. I don't think the defense fit him right. And you know, he's also getting up there in age. The, the guy is still kind of in the free agent market. He hasn't officially retired or anything like that, but uh, you know, the lines don't get a ton of, Diamonds in the rough in free agency, typically, and Glover Quinn was one of those. He, you know, he made the Pro Bowl I think once or twice in Detroit, um, led the league in interceptions one year, and it was kind of an underwhelming signing at the time. You know, him coming from Houston, not a lot of people had heard of, heard of him. He's a guy who started as a corner, moved to safety, and and really found a home there, and so. He's going to be a big loss in terms of personality in the locker room. Same with TJ Lang. He's a big personality in that locker room. Um, but these are guys that were just kind of towards the end of their career, and the Lions were, were turning the page. 
Now they've drafted two safeties in the third round in back-to-back years, so Glover Quinn's spot is probably taken. The Lions, in terms of filling TJ Lang's spot at the guard position, still kind of figuring that one out. Um, they, they had Kenny Wiggins come in last year, um, play when Lang was out with injury. They brought in Ode Abushi, um, who's kind of been a journeyman veteran that, that can fill in if need be. But they didn't draft one. They didn't draft an, draft an offensive lineman for the first time in a few years. So they're still kind of figuring out things in, in terms of that one extra offensive line spot. But everywhere else on the offensive line, they are kind of set. I was going to say, if you, you've spent like three of your last four yeah. first-round picks on, on offensive linemen. And you spent big on, uh, was it Wagner? Yep. Yeah. Yep. You, you know, you stopped him from coming to Chicago to, uh, mm-hmm. to be with you guys. So you've, you've definitely invested uh in the offensive line and uh but the thing about the offensive line is that if there's a weak link defenses will find it so uh definitely a spot that needs to be uh shored up if you want to have success this year especially if you're going to try to focus on the run uh in in this new offense so um looking at the uh the draft let's talk about the draft um you go with tj hawkinson eighth overall did you get any um you know, like, did you get a past draft sweats about the about the the luck that the the Lions have had with first round tight ends as of late? I mean, I know Eric Ebron woke up and had a personal renaissance in Indianapolis last year, but obviously that doesn't make you guys uh, feel good because he did <laughs> right. not do that when he was in uh, in a in a Detroit uniform. But you guys have this is like your third first round tight end in not that big a span uh, yeah. of time. So I mean, did you guys get the shakes? When when his name was read off the card, he he was definitely a tough sell to, to Lions fans. Um, there there were some that were in 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 big favor of it. Um, the Lions basically the Lions actually don't have any tight end that was on the roster last year. They they got rid of all of them. So tight end was certainly a big need. But selling a fan base that a top ten pick is worth it for a tight end is is just going to be a tough sell. Um, whether whether the Ebron era happened or not, it's a tough sell because it's not a position that typically, you know, makes or break, breaks a game. You think of edge rushers, you think of quarterbacks, you think of cornerbacks, um, sometimes even linebackers as guys that might be valuable in that top 10 spot. But tight end is just not one that you think comes to mind. And certainly the Ebron situation didn't help. It didn't help that they passed on Aaron Donald that year. It didn't help that Ed Oliver, an undersized uh, defensive tackle w- was also kind of around that pick again this year. So yeah, um, he, I believe he went right after Hawkins. He did. So, he went nine to Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the comparisons are just there to make. Now it turns out after hearing Bob Quinn, the general manager, and Matt Patricia speak, there was no chance they were ever going to take Ed Oliver. They like their defensive tackles big, strong, meaty, not undersized and quick. They want they want meat in the middle of their defensive line. They want Damon Harrison in the middle of their line. Right. Um. So that was never going to happen. But Nevertheless, if Ed Oliver goes on to have an amazing career, there it's it's undoubted. There's no doubt that the Lions are going to draw criticism again for picking a tight end, whether so, whether Hawkinson has a good career or not. So is that the guy that Lions fans were going out and buying Ed Oliver jerseys before the draft, uh, <laughs> a la the Eagles buying Ricky Williams jerseys? You know that one year and and things like that. Was was Oliver the pick that Lions fans wanted, or was there? Was there like, hey, these are the the three or four guys at eight that we want if if he's there? Yeah, I think I think it kind of depended. Uh, it was pretty split. Ed Oliver was there was definitely a contingent of Ed Oliver, and despite what Lions fans will tell you, 
back in in 2014, Aaron Donald wasn't on everyone's lips either. You know, he was he was he was a guy that was very kind of controversial because of that size. So, mm-hmm. um, who who's the defensive end that went right before Hawkinson? I, I'm drawing a blank. Um, but he, Josh Allen. Josh Allen. He was yeah. a guy that I think Lions fans were really really hoping would fall to him, and they it, it got so close that I think some some fans were hoping they they trade up and grab him, but. Um, as for, that's, as for the Hawkinson pick, that's I'm sorry. That's where I get Aaron Donald flashbacks because the year that uh, that Donald got drafted, yeah, the Bears were picking at 14, and they were all about Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. And going into that draft, it was is like the the obstacles were like seven at Tampa Bay because Lovey and Cover Two because of course, right and. The other big hurdle was if he gets past the Giants at 12, who ended up being Odell Beckham Jr., right. but if he gets past the Giants at 12, he's going to fall into the Bears' lap. And I'm watching film of him at Pitt. He was a beast at Pitt, wondering how he wasn't like a top-five guy, which everyone who didn't take him looks like an idiot now. Right. But, of course, at 13, the Rams, who picked a defensive lineman in the first round for like six years in a row, take Aaron Donald. <laughs> And granted, Kyle Fuller ended up working out for us. That's who we ended up taking right. uh, at 14 with the very next pick. I think anyone in a Bear, any Bear fan on the planet would trade Aaron Donald for, would trade Kyle Fuller for Aaron Donald right. any single day yep. uh, of the week. God bless Kyle Fuller and the renaissance he's had. That seems to be a word I like to use today, renaissance. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and the way that he's revitalized himself the last couple of years he, he earned the big contract and then he played well with the contract last year um i still think there isn't a bear fan on the planet that wouldn't make that trade so you know nobody would go back to 2014 and be like eh, we'll sit still or let's make a trade and move up and go get that guy because he's a certified beast and we need to go and get him so when you hear about ed oliver almost falling in your lap and he falls you know or he did fall on your lap or no Josh Allen that's who I was talking right, about right 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 he falls in and, and he gets taken one pick before you taking a tight end at 8 kind of does look like a consolation but let's not panic or we have to make a pick cuz nobody wants to trade with us kind of thing yeah well and, th- and that's a, the the odd thing though is i believe on on draft night Quinn said he had offers on the table and he's like nah Hawkinson's our guy and it sounded like wow. Hawkinson was their guy for a while hmm. and I, I get it. Um, the guy's a, a great two-way player. He can block. He can catch. He's he's pro-ready coming from an Iowa offense that's pro-style. And and like I said, the Lions have a really big need. And, and considering they're making that kind of transition we were talking about to to run-heavy offense, the fact that he can block is, is a really big threat. And the fact that he can be out there and defenses don't know if it's going to be a run or a pass. Same thing with the, the other guy that they got in free agency, Jesse James. Yeah. Um, kind of the same sort of deal with him. Can block, can catch. And so the lines are going to be really versatile on offense now, and 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 that should be exciting for for Lions fans and for Matthew Stafford and for you know people that saw this offense took a take a real big step back last year, and whether they can turn it all around in one year under you know a new offensive coordinator, I don't know, probably not, um, but there should be signs of progress um, at least midway through the season, I think. Right. So looking at the rest of the draft, you'll have to help me out because the Bears were picking. 87 mm-hmm. this year so i wasn't expecting to have heard of anyone that the bears were going to be <laughs> taking this year so i was like i admit i even admitted to when i had my draft specialist on uh the show to preview and review it was like i did like zero homework on the draft this year just because 
we weren't picking until almost 90 the, the yeah. back half of the almost like one of the last picks in the in the third round so it's like why bother looking at the first round or the second it would take draft capital we don't have to draft one of those players so why pay attention to any of those guys and your second round pick is definitely one of the people I've never heard of before, <laughs> uh, Jelani Tavai. Nailed it, yeah. Nice. Uh, linebacker uh, from Hawaii. Never heard of him, but he goes 43rd overall. What makes him the guy? Well, you aren't the only one who hadn't heard of him on draft day. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> a lot of people thought this was going to be a day three pick. And so another tough sell to the fan base. This draft got off to a rocky start for, yeah, for Lions like fans. Yeah. And, I mean, who the heck knows? anything about these guys i'm i'm of the ilk where i'm just sitting there and enjoying draft week because me too it's fun it's crazy as a site manager it's a lot of work i'm not going to get emotionally involved because i'm humble enough to admit i don't know shit about these guys pardon my language but yeah uh so tavai is a guy who uh just he 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 was versatile he played a lot of different positions he's middle linebacker he was an edge rusher he was an outside linebacker um does a lot of stuff, but just doesn't seem to like pop off on the film too much. Um, s- uh, speed is a little bit of a concern for him. So again, a tough sell. The interesting part about this draft, and I don't, I don't mean to jump too far ahead, is a lot of people wanted Amani Oruarie with that second pick because the Lions needed a second outside corner. They ended up taking Oruarie in the fifth round. So if you like to play mind games to kind of sell yourself in the Lions draft class. This is what I said. Pretend Omani Oruari got drafted in the second round. Pretend Jelani Tavai got drafted in the fifth round. Suddenly you're a lot happier about this draft. Right. Yeah. That happens. Sure. Uh, Will Harris, you talked about him, uh, or you alluded to him before when you're saying that second year in a row, the Lions take a third round safety, which makes uh, Glover Quinn uh, expendable. So mm-hmm. is this somebody that's expected to come in right away? Yeah, I think uh, maybe not as a starter. The, the lines are probably set in terms of starter with Quandre Diggs and then last year's third-round pick, Tracy Walker. Mm. But Will Harris is definitely going to get some looks. The Lions really like to load up on defensive backs in certain formations, and a lot of times that means a third or maybe even a fourth safety out there on the field. So Will Harris is a big hitter, um, a box safety, so you know a guy who, who can cover uh, kind of the nickel position if need be can, can be good in run defense. Um, also extremely athletic so he can cover a lot of space. Um, I think a lot of people were on board with this pick. It makes a lot of sense, even though they went safety last year as well. Um, they need to get young there. And, and Will Harris is a, is a guy that, that definitely was valuable there in the third round, um, was, would definitely be a, uh, a value pick. All right. And then we move on to, to day three, you got Austin Bryant defensive end from, from Clemson, was he one of the the big four, or was he just he, like a depth guy for them? He, I believe he was. He was he was the smallest of the big four. Right. He was the forgotten of the big four. The interesting story about Austin Bryant is that about halfway through the season last year, he tore his pectoral and played through it, wow. which is one of the more painful injuries there are in the NFL. And a lot of times, you know, you'll see in in preseason, someone might get a torn pectoral this year. They're going to be out for the year. Yeah, this guy played with it for half the season, um, so he's on the mend at this point. He, he had off-season surgery, didn't participate much in OTAs or minicamp, so um, might not see a lot of him in the first, you know, month or two of the season. Um, definitely a developmental project, but a guy that probably will take eventually take the place of Devon Kennard, who was one of the line's big off-season signings last year. Uh, so. A bit of a de- developmental project in the fourth round, which I don't think many fans are are upset about. The Lions, n- 
no no Lions fans is ever going to get upset about them adding to kind of that defensive front because um, it's been a while since Lions have, have had a fierce line and are amongst you know one of the teams that can provide a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So um, again, a developmental guy you won't see a lot in his rookie year, but uh, definitely the potential to to be a I don't know about if a steal is the right word, but a a solid contributor for a few years. Yeah, wasn't because they I don't know if it was the NFL Network or ESPN, maybe both that kept showing the Clemson defensive lineman dressed as Power Rangers or something like that. <laughs> that sounds was, familiar. Was he yeah. the one that they put in pink? Was he the pink one? Oh, I think? no, maybe. There had to be a pink one. There's like red, red, yellow, green, black, and pink or something like that. And there's, somebody has to be the pink one. I wonder <laughs> if he was, since he's the little guy, was he the one that they put uh, in pink? So um, Maybe. So, that, that whole weekend was a blur for me. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I, love, so. I absolutely love draft weekend. I, I, I really do. Uh, enjoy it. I, I don't, uh, and and uh, it's turned into such a spectacle. Yeah. Ever since they started moving locations uh, and everything, it's like the, the draft has always been a lot of fun. Uh, Radio City Music Hall was 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 fun, but when they moved it to Chicago, you know, in what 2014, 2015, whatever it was, now all of a sudden it's it's in multiple locations. It's this big, huge stage. It looks like a Kiss production uh, yeah. or something like that. We got screens, we got lasers and TV, you know, smoke bombs and stuff like that. This, you know, huge, crazy setup. And then Nashville, 600,000 people in the streets on night yeah. one, downpouring rain. No one cares. They're not going anywhere. It's NFL. It's draft night. We're all here having a great time. And, you know, and the rest of the weekend, that street was packed to the gills yep. all weekend long for something that on its base, you know, in its in its base formation, if you will, is probably has to be one of the most boring things that there is. <laughs> it's a bunch of guys making a phone call to one place to yeah. make an announcement. And that's it. That's the draft. That is all that happens. The teams from their various locations around the country call to the one place. They make the announcement to tell the world. Then the next team does it after that. That's all that's happening with the draft. And yet, I can't wait for it to get here. I watch every single second. Even the sixth and seventh round picks, I have no idea if I'll ever remember any of these kids' names or what kind of careers they'll have. But I'm going to watch to see who the Carolina Panthers took at 221 in the seventh round, you know, just because. It's it's, it's a lot of fun uh, watching that. I'm not really sure why, but I, I just can't stop watching it. Well, to me, like, I don't know, the NFL tends to make a big spectacle out of small things. Like, sure. the NFL Combine is something I can't get behind. Oh, I, my God. I, I'm I can't sorry. I can't. I'm with you on that one. I am absolutely with you. But for the draft, I think it's different because it is kind of a monumental deal for these kids. Like, yeah. that's that's the really cool part about it is, is you're throwing a party for these kids that are, you know, having their dreams come true, whether they're a first-round or a seventh-round picker, even an undrafted free agent signing, like, this is a game changing weekend for these people that, you know, their lives are never going to be the same. And yeah. and hopefully it's all for the better. It, it's obviously not going to be for everybody, but um, it's, it's just a really cool moment for these kids lives. And there's, there's really not any sort of parallel in any other profession other than other sports where you get to see all these people have their lives change right in front of you. And, so I'm, I'm all for it. Make it a big party, throw a half a million people in the streets, you know, 
have have fans go crazy, have fans boo the commissioner, whatever. It, it's it's yeah. supposed to be a fun weekend, and I'm glad that it is. I'm totally over people booing the commissioner. Like we've only <laughs> been doing it for like nine years now. Can we can we just calm down with it? It's like it's almost worse than the what chant. And I will curse Stone Cold until he dies for getting that thing started. That was just, oy. Anyway, uh, yeah. And then you're saying like uh, it's a big party. Well, the party moves to Vegas next year oh boy yeah that's gonna be bananas i could just <laughs> i can only imagine you know how many how many of these guys nfl careers are going to be ruined because they spent draft weekend in vegas right i'm Oy. i'm terribly afraid of like what leaked photo is gonna come out <laughs> hours before the draft starts yeah would it be another uh, laramie tunzel exactly. you know the day before the draft he goes from being like the number one overall pick to getting drafts somewhere in the teens and uh you know just because some uh some uh, you know overzealous offensive lineman went out to to stuff some dollars in some g strings the night before the draft or something right. like that. So, yeah, it should be uh, should be interesting. So, uh, any any other of your day three picks that you want to talk about? I think it's kind of interesting that the Lions went skill position basically from sixth all the way to from the sixth to their second to last pick in the seventh round with Travis Fulgham, Ty Johnson, Isaac Nauta. Um I mentioned earlier how last year after. Uh, they traded Tay after Marvin Jones went down with an injury, after Carrion Johnson went down with injuries. The Lions basically didn't have any depth anywhere in, on their uh, skill position. So they kind of took a, a flyer on three different positions, a receiver, running back, and a tight end there. And they all kind of bring certain things that might be valuable to the team. I think Isaac Nauta might have the best chance of making the team just because the Lions only have five tight ends on the roster right now after they release Michael Roberts, um, and they'll probably keep four. He's kind of a he. He was definitely, I think, maybe their their most value value pick. Um, a guy that very well rounded. You don't see a lot of guys that, that are able to block and catch that late in the draft. So um, I, I wouldn't expect anything his his rookie season, but I think he makes the roster and and maybe gets a little bit of playing time too. Talk to me about Michael Roberts. What the hell happened there? Because wasn't wasn't this the guy like? He got traded, failed the physical, went yeah. back, then got released, or you know, wasn't that something like happened with yep. him? So yep, what this... what did happen? Can you break it down for me? Yeah, so I mean so his last year was his second season with the Lions. He was a former I, I, either third or fourth round pick. Um at some point he had shoulder surgery. I believe it was in December. Um I watched him during OTAs, I watched him during minicamp. He was a full participant. He was out there. He was, you know, saying how much he's learned in his first two years, how he's going to be, um, you know, ready to, to attack and, and, and improve finally, because he was basically a non-factor in his first two years in the league. And then the Lions traded him, traded him to the Patriots for conditional seventh round pick or something like that. Day later, trade doesn't go through, fails a physical. Don't really know why kind of presume it's the shoulder. Um, and so the Lions are just like, well, we still don't want you cut. So now he's on waivers. It was it was the Packers, right? I think, believe it was the Packers who claimed him off waivers, and then he failed the physical for the Packers, and now he's a free agent. He's basically just sitting there unclaimed at this point because wow. um, something's going on with his shoulder. And it's interesting. You kind of it kind of makes you question what's going on with the Lions medical department. Why yeah. he's he's cleared to play in Detroit, but not in Green Bay or New England. Um, obviously, team doctors have different diagnoses all the time. This sort of thing isn't that uncommon, but it kind of makes you wonder if if he's not good enough to to play in two other places. Why was he out there during minicamp and OTAs, participating with everyone else? 
Yeah, that's definitely. Uh, I knew I knew it was some kind of saga. I I, I yeah. forgot that there was a third team that got involved and he failed the physical yet again, and you know, still looking for a job. Uh, yeah. right now, or still waiting to get you know healed up so somebody will clear him uh, to play, and the one team that will clear him doesn't want him. Right. Uh, right now. So, yeah, it was a weird situation. I remember trying and, to make heads and tails of that. And imagine the roller coaster for Lions fans, because anytime you see you're trading a player to the Patriots, you're like, oh, God, this guy's yeah. going to be in the Pro Bowl in, in six months. Yeah, the next Kyle Van Oy, right? Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. and then okay, phew, you know, he didn't last in New England. Then he goes straight to the Packers. You're like, oh, God. Oh, jeez. He's, he's going he's to light us up one week yeah. and for three touchdowns. Or he'll catch that crazy Hail Mary that nobody <laughs> wants to defend or yep. something like that. Yep. So and, bef- go ahead. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to take pleasure in, in what Michael Roberts is going through. It's, sure. it's got to be horrible for him. You know, not only getting traded from the team that drafted him, but, you know, seeing his dreams die with two other franchises. And now he's just kind of sitting out there rehabbing. Um, yeah. But it, it was certainly a roller coaster of emotion for Lions fans. I bet. So. Before we get to 2019, there was something that kind of popped in my head uh, before when you were talking about the defensive line, and you know, no one's going to argue with with drafting a, a you know or a, drafting like when we're talking about Austin Bryant, defensive line hasn't exactly been menacing for some time, and it it brought a thought onto me, and I'm not trying to be condescending at all. I'm I'm just trying to be just asking generally as as a you know as a fan of the team, you might be able to answer this, and the question is. What has kept the Lions from being successful? Because they remind me very much of the Cubs, the Chicago Cubs, the baseball team, and yeah. where, in fact, they always seem to have somebody who's the best in the league at what he does, <laughs> whether it's Sanders at running back, Calvin Johnson, wide receiver, and Dominican Sue, one of the most dominating defensive linemen there. You have you know pieces. You always have talent on the team, but for some reason – it just doesn't ever really come together for you guys. And that's what it's been like being a Cub fan for my entire life. We got Sammy Sosa. We got Ryan Sandberg. We got all these guys. They're went, going to all-star games. They're dominating, you know, but we, we can never make the playoffs. And when we do, we always make a dramatic mess of ourselves in the playoffs and go out in, in the most garbage fire way possible. <laughs> and that's very much what happens to the Lions. You don't yeah. have that much success. And when you do, you have this really great season. Everybody gets behind you. You get to the playoffs, and it's a dumpster fire in the playoffs one reason, one way or another. Uh, and you always go down in some kind of dramatic, memorable fashion that stings for about a year or two <laughs> before you finally get over. I mean, the comparisons are sickening when you really sit back and look at it. You know, is this some kind of curse that we don't know about that's plaguing the Lions? <laughs> is it the curse of um, what's the quarterback's name? Bobby Lane. There yeah. you go. The curse of Bobby Lane or, you know, just like we had the curse of the Billy Goat. You know, is that that's something that that's kind of always lingering for Lions fans like it did? For Cubs fans, what do you think is is the reason that the Lions have always been so snake bit? I mean, even in the in the early to mid '90s when they were winning the division three years out of four, kind of thing, they were always one and done when it came to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to to put it on something as as simple as a curse. You know, the curse of Bobby Lane. I think he said it was supposed to last sixty years. Well, that brings you up into 2017. So. Should be over by now. Yeah. <laughs> um, not sure what's happening, but um, yeah. I mean, on the early goings, I think the answer is as simple as the Lions just didn't have a quarterback. They didn't have a quarterback sure. that could take them to the Super Bowl. I believe that they do now, 
Um, Matthew Stafford certainly has his faults, and I'm not calling him a top five quarterback. Or, you know, I think an argument can be made he might not even be a top ten quarterback. But I think he's past that threshold where he could win a Super Bowl. Um, the the problems have just been with management since then. Obviously, the Matt Millen era sent this team back quite some time yeah. between 2002 and 2009, 2010. Um, yeah, you know the, that's some that's a stretch of of football that you, you might not see that bad ever again it was right. that bad you know we're talking two and two and 14 three and 13 seasons are the regular um the lines are just now kind of pulling themselves out of that maybe they've been out of it for about seven eight years now but now they kind of find themselves in that middle place where most teams really are i would say there are probably 20 teams that are kind of just they're not horrible but they're not top tier right. and they the lines obviously have never been able to put themselves into that top tier category um the hope is that you know, Matt Patricia and, and Bob Quinn, they certainly think alike. They certainly are on the same wavelength. Um, the question is just whether they can recreate that Patriots magic. And and we all know the answer to that is typically no. Why, why are you even trying? Right. But um, there there are some, some positive signs. Obviously, last year was a big step back. Um, but I think they're building the roster in the right way. And Lions fans will hate me for saying this, but I think you just have to give it time. And Lions fans have given this franchise so much time already yeah. that I know another two, three years sounds like uh, another decade of empty promises. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I think this team is headed in the right direction. The fact that, you know, six and 10 is a, is a majorly disappointing year just goes to show you how much this team has already come <laughs> That's true. from, from yeah. the Matt Millen era. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I, I don't know. I don't know what it takes for a team to get from that middling mediocre team to, to an elite team. A lot of teams are trying to figure out what, what, what it takes to do that. But, uh, yeah, lines are still figuring out. I I've never seen it, so I don't know what it looks like. Right. I mean, it's, it's definitely an interesting, uh, you know, a question. Like, like I said, I mean, being a bears fan, we see the lions twice a year. And, you know, I remember in the nineties, what, what good football teams you had with, with Sanders and you got Herman Moore and you know Rodney Pete is the quarterback or or Eric Kramer when he was there uh, as well and you, you know you had some good football players on defense and you know always in the mix in the NFC Central and winning it a couple of times uh, and things like that and then you know with the, the Calvin Johnsons and, and and Matt Stafford's playing together and and you know those 2011 2014 teams that I was pulling for just because like you know it's why not man these guys are fun to watch they're exciting but you know those were the all deep all offense no defense teams yep. where you could light up the scoreboard but you know there's that that uh, that cliche i like to talk about where you literally have to outscore your opponents because your defense isn't going to stop yep. them you have to score 40 because the opponent's going to score at least 30 so yep. you know th those teams and everything so it's just i've always wondered as talented as the lions have been at times why they haven't been uh, more successful and like I said it did remind me very much of all my years as a Cub fan where we had a lineup that most teams would envy and yet we couldn't win 90 games we couldn't get into the playoffs and, and god forbid we did make it to the postseason it was always something that would scar you for life that would you know be your postseason exit the Bartman thing and ugh, Christ I'm, I'm stopping right there so yeah <laughs> um, but yeah that was horrible enough all on its own um, but still, you know, that's very much what it reminded me of is that this team is constantly loaded, you know, has a, a, you know, a good bunch of talent. It has people on the roster that everybody in the league would gladly take. And 
a very loyal fan base despite the way that their teams have played uh, over the years, which is another Chicago Cub thing. Wrigley is always packed no matter how well the Cubs are playing, and, and yet don't have much to show for it as far as wins or division titles or postseason runs for that matter. Yeah, I, I think you kind of nailed it too. It's like they have enough talent on the team to keep fans interested but not enough to tally up wins. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much that was that was the Cubs in my lifetime until like the last four or five, <laughs> four or five years where we we have the best team year in and year out kind of thing, but um, yeah, I mean that's kind of what the Lions have always reminded me of. I've I've always kind of sat back and and if it's an odd weekend where the Bears aren't playing the Lions, but I get the Lions game anyway, I always kind of look at the the team. He's like, why aren't these guys better? Yeah, like, I, like they they got some good football players on this team. <laughs> they should be better than four and six where they are right now or something uh like that or why why are they letting the cardinals play them this tough i don't get it so <laughs> but uh anyway let's move on to 2019 and be a bit more optimistic here speaking of the cardinals you got them week one uh this year you're on the road so you're the the first that gets to look at kyler murray and what may or may not be the biggest i don't know how to feel about this kid i really don't I know that the small, quick, mobile quarterback is a thing, thanks to Russell Wilson uh, and, uh, and and others uh, that followed him. But I got to think that maybe drafting him over and ditching Josh Rosen would end up being a mistake, in my opinion. Yeah, man, I I was not thrilled when I saw this game as the the first on the Lions' schedule. Right. You you may remember last year the Lions opened up against a rookie quarterback as well, and things did not go so well against Sam Darnold <laughs> and the Jets. I believe they put up fifty on the Lions or something. And yeah, then, well, they didn't finish well. They started off like gangbusters, but then yeah, it went sideways yeah. from there. Yeah, and so the fact that Cliff Kingsbury is bringing his fl- high flying offense with with you know the first overall pick. Yeah, not something I, I'm. I was eager to to see right off the bat. Um, I mean, any other team would probably feel okay about facing a, a rookie quarterback in his first career game, um, but you just have no idea what to expect out of this. It's a new yeah. offense. And it's a new quarterback. Um, you know, there is no scouting reports for any of these guys, and so it's it's a. I'm. I have no idea how I'm going to predict that game to go because obviously the lines are in a bit of a better position now. They're they're not installing a new defense like they were last year. Um, they have a, a lot more talent on that side of the ball as well. But, I mean, that first week of the NFL is, is hard to predict enough. Yeah, it really because is. Because teams are so much different than they looked last year. The fact that there's a new head coach that's the first round, first overall pick, rookie quarterback, I mean, you might as well flip a coin for that opening week. Yeah, and that's the thing about week one. Is like, no matter how it goes, you can't put too much stock in yeah. it. Um, it's just it's it's such a, an outlier uh, of the season where no matter how it goes, week two is the other side of the moon compared to week one. Like what what NFL teams learn in just that one week about other teams after week one is amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, like you were talking about Cliff Kingsbury and bringing his high flying offense reminds me of when Steve Spurrier came into mm-hmm. the league to to coach the Redskins and the, the first Kelly, like right? yeah. First, like no, Steve Spurrier, or yeah, yeah like you, you Chip Kelly. Yeah. As a matter, I said the yeah. same thing about Chip Kelly and bringing that crazy Oregon offense where we're running a play every twenty-five seconds, <laughs> yeah. or 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 whatever. I was like, give the NFL defenses about a month, and they'll yeah. have this figured out. That's what happened to Spurrier. They came yeah. out of the gates like fifty-five points in the first two games. The Uh-oh. Redskins are the best offense the NFL has ever seen, and then a few weeks later, it's like, yeah. 
it's still Danny Werfel. He's not an NFL quarterback. It's still <laughs> those guys that did stuff for him in Florida. These guys were low to no draft picks for a reason. We got this. And then Steve Spurrier went off the deep end as far as the success with his team. That is very much a possibility of what could happen here with, with Cliff Kingsbury because they're – the Cardinals have fallen victim to what the rest of the league is doing. Even a team in our division did the same thing. You're trying to find that young, smart, mm-hmm. offensive genius to you know have this you know glorified relationship with your quarterback. In Green Bay's case, it's you know trying to coach up Aaron Rodgers, one of the best ever. In Kling- Kingsbury, we're trying to start a career, start a dynasty with yep. this kid, uh, and things like that. Uh, to go along with what McVay's done in Los Angeles, what the Bears were able to do last year with Maggie and the progress that Mitch Trubisky made, everyone's trying to reinvent that wheel, this copycat league that uh, the NFL uh, is. We'll see if it works out for Arizona. I'm not so sure that it will. I don't think the Clingsbury was exactly the best hire for them yeah. and, and everything. So we'll see how it all works out. For their sake, I hope it does. For your sake... I hope they don't figure it out for the first few weeks just so you don't have to, you know, get give uh, Kyler Murray a memorable first day uh, of his uh, NFL career. So, but looking at the rest of the of the season and just storylines in general, what's something that we should keep our eye on going into the season? Position battles, you know, just something you want to keep focused, somebody on the hot seat this year or in a contract year, something like that. Well, I, I think the first thing is is the the contract situations that are looming right now. Um, da- Damon Harrison and uh, Darius Slay are both oh sure yeah in the midst of, of their holdouts right now, and um, it's kind of tough to gauge how serious they are and and how serious the lines are about re-signing those guys. But um, it's kind of an interesting situation because we we don't see a lot of holdouts in Detroit, and we certainly don't see a lot of holdouts with two years remaining on their contract. And that's the situation for both snacks and Darius Slay. So hmm. um, it'll be interesting to see how the, that plays out. Um, the Lions have a ton of cap space still um, for this year. So they, they have room if they want it. Um, but we, we typically don't see the general manager make extensions like that until training camp or right before or in the middle of training camp. Yeah. But they also have some other guys that, that are in con- entering contract years. Graham Glasgow, they're starting who used to be their starting center, but it actually looks like he's moving to right guard this year. Um, he's in a contract year. Ashawn Robinson, who, who took a big step forward last year as, as kind of the backup slash compliment to, uh, to, to snacks. Um, he's entering a contract year. Um, but I think if we're talking like overall pictures, I, I think offensive line is, is really going to be the key to this team in, in 2019. And I just kind of alluded to it, but they're making a big change on the offensive line. Frank Ragnow, who's drafted in the first round last year, played left guard all last year. Now it's it's become clear that he's the starting center, and it's a it, that's a position he was a lot better at at Arkansas during his college career. Right, and it, it just kind of appears that maybe the lines didn't want to push him into it right away. Obviously, center kind of has a lot more responsibilities than than certain other positions on the offensive line. They're snapping the ball, they're they're calling protections out, that sort of thing. So they're moving him to center now which means Glasgow is getting moved over either to the right or left side. It looks like it's probably the right side where TJ Lang used to be. And then you have Taylor Decker who just got his uh, fifth year uh, option picked up mm-hmm. on the, on the left side. He needs to show a lot of improvement. He's kind of been sluggish, not playing up to his potential ever since he had shoulder surgery. And then Rick Wagner at, at the other tackle position, who's been solid, but, but not spectacular. So, um, and then the aforementioned battle that I had between Ode Ibushi and, 
um, uh, Wag, uh, Wag, Wiggins, uh, mm. yeah, that 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 battle brewing uh, left guard is obviously going to be an important one because, as you mentioned, you're kind of only as strong as your weakest link on the offensive line, and whoever wins that battle is going to have a, a tough task. Yeah, definitely, and it's it's um, like I said, it's it's amazing how quickly things can fall apart if if there's one guy that's not holding up his end uh, on the offensive line. I mean, we as Bear fans definitely know how that goes when, you know, it would always seem to be that from from the left guard to the other side, it was great, but our left tackle was a swinging gate getting Cutler killed, Jamarcus (laughs) Webb. And, uh, you know, it's like I know that whoever was playing against the Bears was like, oh, I got webbed this week. This is going to be awesome. You know, <laughs> six sacks before halftime kind of thing. So, yeah, but uh, we all know that you could have an all-pro offensive line, but if you're if one guy, whether it be an interior guy or, or, or one of your tackles, uh, is a weak link, the whole line uh, suffers. And, and talking about Ragnow, uh, moving him over to center, the Bears are doing the exact same thing with uh, yeah. James Daniels. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he was a, a starting left guard for us. Uh, last year keeping Cody Whitehair uh, at center and now that he's uh, you know he's got a year under his belt and a full off season with OTAs and all that kind of stuff they've moved him over to center and shifted Cody Whitehair back to guard which is something that he did in college he's been yep. playing center for the last four years he did not play a snap at center in his career at Kansas State mm. he was actually a left tackle his senior season he played guard and tackle again he did not play center and he made the pro bowl last year as a center for us so now he's moving to to guard which is probably a more natural position for him and daniels is moving to center which is his natural uh position so we're gonna sit back and see what uh what effect that has uh on the uh on our offensive line as you guys will see if uh Ragnall is better being the captain of the offensive line instead of one of the one of the outside players that's interesting. I guess I didn't realize that the Bears are going through almost something identical because yeah. Glasgow again, like he was the team starting center for a few years as well. So it's uh, it's interesting that they're kind of mirroring each other. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's definitely uh, something that Bear fans are are checking out for sure to see how that transition uh, goes. So anything on the uh, defensive side, we should keep an eye on, like how the the corners are developing, or you know, if your your nine million dollar man at the corner, your slot corner, is uh, how he's uh, dealing with things. Yeah, I, I think uh, just the Lions' kind of depth in the secondary is going to be interesting this year. Um, okay. They they also added, they kind of shipped away Nevin Lawson, who had been their number two outside corner for a couple of years, but never literally never got an interception in his three or four years in Detroit. Um, just wasn't a playmaker. Was Always seemed to be in the position, never seemed to be able to make a play. Replaced him with Rashawn Melvin, who kind of struggled with the Raiders last year, but has had some success in the past of his career. But the the real depth and the real kind of interest to me is in the back end, the safeties. We mentioned the two third-round picks that they've added. We mentioned that Glover Quinn's gone. Um, they also added Andrew Adams, uh, free agent. There's just a lot of different options. I think you're going to see a lot of different looks on that back end, whether they bring in 5 DBs, 6 DBs, sometimes maybe even 7 DBs. Um, they're just really looking to make some plays there because the lines were one of the worst teams at creating turnovers last year. Darius Slay is basically the only guy that can get his hands on the ball. Um, but they added a guys, a bunch of guys who have, you know, interceptions in their career, a lot of passes defended in their career. Um, 
this is this is a good division in terms of receivers. I think it's an underrated division in terms of receivers. Everyone talks about, you know, Minnesota obviously has a good one-two punch, but I think Devontae Adams of Green Bay is one of the best receivers in the league. Right. The Bears are continually to add more and more pieces to their offensive arsenal. Um, I, I think it's important to have a good secondary these these days, and I think the Lions are taking that very seriously, and it could be perhaps the most improved unit on this team uh, going into 2019. Interesting. Looking forward to uh, see how that all turns out. I mean, you, you, it's it is definitely like like you said, as as a division, as a collective, probably the most underrated group of receivers uh, in, in the league. And you know, just because you know there's no Calvin Johnson, so who cares about the Lions uh, kind of thing? Devontae Adams is kind of a one man show right now. And I talked to Evan Western yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. about them and it's like yeah we got Devonte adams they made zero wide receiver transactions in the draft or in free agency or anything they still feel good about what they have because of the guys they drafted last year people yeah. were hurting you know things like that so a very underrated group of receivers there and then it's the bears the bears don't throw the ball they're a running team so who the hell cares about their receivers kind of thing <laughs> but we got Allen robinson we got anthony miller who was a fire plug last year mm-hmm. taylor gabriel is 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 grease lightning and then we drafted Riley Ridley, who somehow was sitting there in the back half of the fourth round when the Bears were picking, and we went ahead and grabbed him, and he's done nothing but dazzle in OTAs uh, and, and everything so far. So um, I pray for the rest of the league, if that kid turns out to be what the beat writers and everything have been seeing uh, in practice uh, thus far. So I don't think the Bears' uh, wide receiving core is going to be much of a secret for, for very much longer if it all goes the way that, that it's kind of pointing to. Yeah. Uh, right now. So but looking at the uh, schedule and um, yeah, when you go six and ten, you don't get a lot of uh, national TV dates. <laughs> nope. You got uh, two. You got Monday Night Football against Green Bay week six coming off the bye and then Thanksgiving, which for some reason they don't consider a national TV game, even though it's literally the only game on TV yep. uh, when it takes place. But uh Outside of that, it's you know, well you're 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 in Eastern time zone, so it's one o'clock for you. For me, it's always Sunday at noon. If yep. like when the Bears suck, I get thirteen Sunday at noon games. I get maybe one. Everybody plays on Thursday at some point, and right. I get one Monday night game. But otherwise, the Bears are playing at noon on Sunday, kind of thing. And that's pretty much what you got here with the Lions. You might have a three o'clock game in there because we're playing the AFC West uh, yep. this year. But other than that. One o'clock on Sunday, that's where you'll find the Lions. Yeah, and I think I think that's something that Matt Patricia is going to like because he mentioned several times throughout the course of last season how disruptive the schedule can be when you have a Sunday night game, when you have a Monday night game, when you have a Thursday night game. Um, it really either shortens or, or you know kind of just throws off your your equilibrium. You, you, I think the NFL is all about getting into you know familiar patterns um, in terms right. of your practice, the way you practice, the way you prepare. Um, so I think it could potentially work in, in the Lions' favor just because they only have that one Thursday night game, that one Monday night game. I think they also have a Saturday day game mixed in towards the yeah. end of the season because uh, the schedule week six, gets weird. Yeah, week 16 at the Broncos, you got yeah. Saturday. You got a Saturday game in there, yeah. But but in general, I, I think that can certainly work to the Lions' favor. And obviously, as a fan, it's it's frustrating not being able to see them on that main stage and 
all that, but you know, it, it's not always a good thing to be on that main stage because I hate to bring it up for a second time, but week one last year was a Monday night football opener <laughs> against the Jets. And I don't know if you remember, but we were the first of the doubleheader in that yeah. week and the game got so bad that they cut to the second game. Yeah, they just in stopped Detroit. showing it. Just stopped in showing Detroit. it. In Lions Detroit. fans could not watch the wow. end of that game because they cut to him. No one in Detroit was watching it because it was like 48 to 17 or something at that point. But right. Yeah, <laughs> it was bad. So yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine not being on, on national TV. It also works to my advantage as a beat writer. But right. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, looking at the, the schedule, it's it's unlike any other schedule I've seen in the fact that it. It seems very mixed up. Like you don't really catch any patterns here or there. Like you know, when like when when I was looking at the Green Bay schedule before, two NFC North games to start the year, three to finish the year for the Packers. So there's no messing around starting or finishing the season for Green Bay. With the Lions, it's very much all over the place. You don't play a division game until after the bye. That Monday night game against Green Bay is your first division game of the season then you're home for the vikings you get the giants you're at oakland you're then the first bears game in chicago uh on the 10th of november you know and it's very much kind of like scattered about as opposed to where you know like looking at the Bears schedule looking at green bay schedule it's, it's like they kind of clump these games uh together and you're also it doesn't look like you fell victim to that kink in the schedule where uh the nfl put someone on the road for like six weeks uh, or anything like that so it just seems like a, a for for the, all the schedules that I've looked at doing these opponent previews this is show number 11 that I've done so far this is the one that that you really couldn't pick a pattern out of aside from the fact that of what I talked about before 1 p.m. on Sunday that's where you'll yep. find the Lions outside of that there really is no pattern uh, to the schedule it's very much like a nice mixture of games and opponents and locations uh, and things like that. Yeah, I would say the one pattern that kind of emerges is home away, home away, home away, home away. There's only yeah, you're right. One there's only one back to back stretch of home games, one back to back stretch of, of away games. They come right in the middle. Like there's at home versus the Vikings, at home versus the Giants, then at Raiders, at at Bears. Everything else is home away, home away, home away, home away. Right. Which uh, I I don't know if that's good or not. I, I obviously I think the players themselves would probably like a little bit of a home stretch here or there, but the fact that they aren't traveling like crazy back to back is also probably uh, something that's, that's good. I, mm-hmm. I think the the thing that fans and players probably have the biggest gripe with is that early bye week, the week five bye week yeah, um, where you, you've got 12 weeks after that where you, it's just football, 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 no break, no break, no break. You, your only real break comes right after that Thanksgiving where you get one weekend free. Right. Um, but that's, that's a grueling schedule. I, I believe Lions players were complaining about it a little bit last year, and I think it was either week six or week seven by week last year. So it's even earlier this year, which has got to be frustrating for them. But That's what you get for complaining. Yeah, right. <laughs> All things considered, I, I think this is, a, a, like you said, a, a balanced, um, non, non-offensive yeah. uh, schedule for the Lions. Yeah, because you start with Arizona. We talked about that already. Then you're home for the – Chargers at Philadelphia versus Kansas City. So, as far as the actual opponents themselves, after Arizona, you got three playoff teams uh, waiting for you after that. Then you got Green Bay and Minnesota after the bye, the Giants and the Raiders. Then you're at the Bears, home for the Cowboys, at the Redskins, then the Bears on Thanksgiving, then your mini bye uh, before you're playing Minnesota 
uh, in Minnesota. Home for Tampa Bay at Denver on that Saturday game. And then even though the NFL saddled you with Green Bay again for the fourth year in a row, fifth out of six years, they're doing with you what they refuse to do for us. We got the Vikings (laughs) again in Minnesota for the fourth year in a row. At least the NFL is rotating it with you guys because you were in Green Bay last year. Now you're at home uh, in, in uh, in Ford Field. So you have home field this time where you were on the road last year, even though you kicked the piss out of Green Bay. That was great, by the way. That was, <laughs> that was And fun. Pat McAfee was so much fun uh, to watch, like when he almost had an orgasm when, uh, <laughs> right. when the kicker threw that touchdown pass on the fake yep. field goal. That was so great. But, um, you know, at least the NFL's doing that for you. They refuse to do it for us. We finished the year in Minnesota no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's up. It, it's kind of getting frustrating. Like I It really the, is. I get the appeal of doing a divisional opponent week 17 every single year but i'm i'm actually getting a little tired of it just because they're they're being so stubborn with like i feel like it's been green bay every year for the lions and and you guys have been facing the vikings every year it's just yeah. and i mean maybe it helps a little bit if if you know we finish with the bears a couple of years or vikings or whatever but i'm just kind of getting bored with it like i i know i know mathematically it makes sense like that this is the way you're going to get the most um, intriguing matchups in, in the final week of the season because division titles might be on the line. But I don't know. I, they, they need to do something to shake it up at least a little bit because I'm getting bored of it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and and I would definitely something needs to happen there uh, with the schedule and, and week 17 and, and, you know, figuring out what to do. Uh, you know, I think maybe it's a crazy idea, but just off the top of my head, like maybe the last four weeks of the season, we know who the opponents are, but we don't know who, when they're being, when the games are being played, kind of thing. And you just kind of flex the schedule at one point in the season, like, okay, well, the season looks like it's going this way, so we'll take this matchup and put it here. I mean, I know that's bananas, and that will never happen, but <laughs> right. that would certainly be exciting if yeah. you know the last four weeks were undecided. We don't know. We know who we're playing. We just don't know when. We'll find out week ten how the last four games are going because the NFL is going to flex them into into position or something as opposed to just having it we know it's green bay again for the fourth year in a row fifth time in six years and hooray for that because the one time that that didn't happen was when we played each other right uh in chicago last year i think it was tressman's last season but you know whatever it was it hasn't happened enough to to shake it up you know we're, we're not rotating within the opponents we're stuck with the same one year in and year out and i agree with you it is getting boring yeah I'm I'm open to any ideas as outside the box as they may be like <laughs> like flexing all four weeks, which would be a logistical nightmare. But I, you I'm know sure what? it I'm... would be, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would that's why it would never happen. Like logistically, yeah. it's it's not just something like oh, we're just going to hold this stadium for <laughs> so no one can schedule anything, no matter what, and it still might not work out, right? Uh, kind of thing. So, what are you looking for from the team uh, this year? I don't I don't I'm not asking you for a prediction as far as your record is concerned but but where is it that you want to see the lions improve where do you think they can go this year honestly i think this is going to be another really well-fought division it it was last year to to an extent um obviously the bears kind of ended up running away with it but right i I mean i feel like every divisional game is always a a, a battle and it it just kind of speaks to the, the parody that there should be in this division. Uh, unfortunately, the Lions never seem to be on the top of it, but right. 
I, I, I honestly think they can, they can be in the conversation this year. Um, I know most people aren't giving them the chance. I know Vegas odds have basically everyone in, in the NFC North at like eight to five odds. And then the lines are like 11 to one odds, (laughs) but I I really think there's going to be a big improvement defensively on this team. And, the, the key is whether the offense can bounce back. Matthew Stafford had an uncharacteristically bad year last year. And now that he has a little more weapons at the tight end position, now that the, the team will hopefully be a little bit better running the ball, you know, continuing their trajectory up there, um, there, there's reason to be hopeful that the offense will be okay as well. I don't think they're going to be great. I don't think they're going to be a 40 points a game type of offense. I don't think they necessarily want to be either, but I, I do think this team has a little more talent than people are giving them credit for. And they, they took basically every team in the, the NFC North last year to to the end. I mean, yeah. that the Thanksgiving game between the Bears was really close. They, they swept the Packers for the second straight year. Nice. Vikings have always kind of given the Lions a little bit of trouble. So they, maybe they weren't as close in those games as uh, as they had been in, in previous years. But, I mean, I just don't see any any team running away with it this year in the division, and so I think that puts the lines right in the conversation. Could be interesting. I mean, I remember talking to you know you and Evan and, and Chris Gates uh, last year, talking about how you know I wouldn't be surprised if we had three nine and seven teams in this division, and it just the way that we're always, the the improvements that each team made going into uh last year whether it be free agency or the new coaches and the new blood that was being brought in the vikings being you know the reigning champs and and everything the the packers are coming back is rogers healthy after the new collarbone uh thing and and it was just such an interesting division uh last year and it was pretty much in the can once the bears beat minnesota on sunday night football last year yeah and um, you talked about Stafford having a very uncharacteristic year. I think that the Thanksgiving game is testament to that yeah. because he did something in that game. It wasn't so much that he did it. It was when he did yeah. those yeah. two second-half interceptions that he threw, the one to Eddie Jackson that went back for the pick six, the one for Kyle Fuller in, in the end zone that killed the last drive uh, of the game. You don't see Stafford do that. He doesn't. He might get a turnover in here or there, but it's not going to be that killer at the end of the game in the fourth quarter. That's when he's supposed to be coming back and taking charge of the game again, not throwing the game away uh, the way he did in that in that uh, that Bears game. So I mean, you don't see Stafford do that, and you know, seeing him do that at that point in the in the game was was very strange to see. Even though I was thrilled about all of it. So, <laughs> and the the intended target on both those pass plays. The but, aforementioned Michael Roberts. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he was in, in uh, for Fuller, wasn't he? Yeah. Yep. I know that I just like Eddie Jackson. That guy's a beast, man. I'm so happy he's on our team. The play <laughs> that, that he was, made, he came running across the – Oh, man, he was – oh, so good. So good. Like it was intended for him from the start. That's how, <laughs> that's how fluid that whole thing was. Just amazing to watch. And then um, – no, it wasn't that one. It was the – the other one, the Kyle Fuller interception with the greatest mm-hmm. touchdown celebration of the year with the uh, the Motown review in the back of the end zone. I'm going to pretend like I don't remember that. Oh, see. All right. <laughs> well, I'll let you off the hook for that one. There. <laughs> that was, it was against your guys, so I'll, I'll, I'll let you pretend like you don't remember. So, But, uh, Jeremy, thanks so much uh, for coming back, man. Uh, love having you uh, on the show. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it's, it's going to be a while before we get to chat again. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So November 10th, that's uh, week 10 for us, and uh, that's when we meet for the first time. And then we'll get each other out of the way just two weeks later, uh, like kind of like we did uh, last season. We're yep. pretty much back-to-back games. We're just going to crank those out. So maybe one of these years, if the NFL won't let us play each other week 17, Maybe we get to play each other week one at some point, you know, yeah, play, play each other before the, the you know, we hit the equator uh, of the season. We'll actually play each other in the beginning of the season where we're still trying to figure ourselves out uh, and everything instead of uh, pretty much knowing who you are when we meet each other week 10. So, I mean, no, no offense to you personally, but I would love to get the Bears out of the way early in the schedule. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially considering last year, unfortunately for us, was an anomaly with our recent relationship with the Lions. I even read the article you wrote about it um, <laughs> and, and how it, it's time to reclaim owning the Bears or something <laughs> like that. I would very much be happy with, you know, doing like a week one, week seven thing and getting yeah. you guys uh, out of the way and just getting it done with because, you know, that was like we've talked about this before that, you know, even though the Bears and the Packers are kind of like the the top rivalry, in the division, I've always considered the Lions to be our best rival as far as yeah. the competition in the games and, and, and things like that. Even in that 9-1 and one stretch that you guys went into, I think only maybe one or two out of those 10 games uh, wasn't decided in the last few moments yep. uh, of the game, whether it was a missed field goal or you, know, you guys stopping a short at the goal line, you know, things like that. It was always edge of your seat. This is competition. This is fun to watch as opposed to watching Green Bay kick the piss out of us 55 to 14 <laughs> or you know or anything like that. No one really ran away with the games between the Bears and the Lions. So those are always the scary games you want to get out of the out yep. of the way and we got to play you guys right in the meat of the season when it really starts to matter. So that could be problematic on its own. So yeah, yep. I would much rather get you guys done in the first half of the season instead of try to contend with you being a problem for us in the second half of the year. I'm with you there. Maybe maybe we can call up the the schedule makers next year. Hey, we'll figure something out. Yeah, all right. we'll we'll work on it. So we'll, <laughs> we'll start a petition and get our get our dozens of listeners to help us out and uh, <laughs> you know get, get those petitions signed and help help the NFL fix the schedule. Let's let's do this early on. So, Hell hath uh, no fury than a, an online petition with two dozen signatures. Damn right, <laughs> damn right. <laughs> Feel our wrath. Let's get it done. So, Jeremy, thanks so much, man. Uh, it's going to be a while uh, before we hear from you again, so where can we keep up with you in the meantime? Uh, obviously, prideofdetroit.com is where all my uh, content goes up. Uh, if, you, if you're if you Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Twitter. If you like stuff like TV and food and other stuff, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Detroit on Lion. Nice. All one word. And the, 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 the best podcast name and the worst podcast name all at the same, the P.O.D. cast, right? That's right. Yep. Yes. Pride of Detroit. It's cast. genius and stupid all at the yes. same time. I love it. I say it every time we talk, <laughs> yep. but that, that fact doesn't change. It's genius <laughs> and it's stupid all at the same time just because Google P.O.D. cast and see what you come up with. It's, <laughs> it's not going to be the Lions podcast, that's for sure. So, But, Jeremy, thanks so much, man. We look forward to talking to you again in November. Sounds good. I'll be there. Always enjoy having Jeremy on the show. Look forward to having him back, uh, not until week 10. Uh, it's going to be a long break between now and the next time we get a chance to 
uh, talk to Jeremy. Uh, week number 10, uh, let's see, I was just looking at it. Yes, like I said at the top of the show, the week that we are honoring the 1940s teams that won four championships in the decade, that is when the Detroit Lions come to town. That is the next opportunity that we will have to talk to Jeremy. The week of November the 10th, Sunday, November 10th, is when we play our first game against the Lions. And then much like uh, we did a year ago, very short turnaround before we play them again on Thanksgiving. Only this time we'll be playing them. It'll be two weeks separating us instead of just one uh, like it was last year. So uh, we'll have a little bit more of a break. But nonetheless, another quick turnaround uh, for the Bears and the Lions waiting until the back half of the season and then playing pretty much back-to-back games uh, against each other. So uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see where everybody's at week 10. It's uh, going to be a pretty established deal at that point to find out. You know, you'll pretty much know who you're dealing with at that point uh, in the season. So we'll see where we're at with them. But I love talking to Jeremy. Look forward to having him back on between now uh, and then. And I said before the interview that I had some announcements. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a break. Uh, the last episode of our uh, opponent previews will be week number four, or excuse me, part number four. And that will be the Bears that comes out on, let's see. All right. The Bears comes out on the 11th of July. So Thursday, July 11th. So next Thursday will be the last uh, episode and then from there, we've got about, uh, you know, what, two weeks before training camp starts on the 25th. And I've got some interviews lined up with some really awesome guests uh, to, to kind of fill the gaps uh, in between. And the interviews, in no particular order, will feature uh, Adam Rank from the NFL Network. He will be on the show. Uh, Adam is a huge uh, Bears fan. He does not hide that. Uh, for anyone that's been keeping up with him making his uh, 2019 season predictions, he predicted the Bears to go 16-0. and 0. So, <laughs> slight bias there, maybe, if we go undefeated and run the table in 2019. I think we're going to kick some ass this year. I don't know about 16-0, and 0, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll talk to him about uh, the Bears, uh, fantasy football. He's actually doing like a... He's on doing like a little tour where he's going to be doing some comedy and some, like, I guess, fantasy football advice. We'll talk to him about the show he's doing. As a matter of fact, he's doing one in Chicago on the 21st. So we'll uh, we'll be talking about that. And I'm sure that he'll uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about it quite a bit uh, as the interview progresses. But Adam will be on the show uh, the week of the 15th. So the week leading into the show on Sunday, the 21st, Adam's going to be uh, on the show. We're also going to have. Uh, Carolina Teague from ESPN in San Antonio. I don't remember what, particularly what station she's on down there, but uh, she actually reached out to me about two weeks ago, uh, letting me know that she's a, she's a fan of the podcast. She's a Chicago girl. She works for ESPN. She'd love to be on the show, help promote the show, so on and so forth. So why not? Let's have her on, see what she's got, what uh, you know, what she wants to talk about with the uh, with the Bears, and and talk about how. She goes from being a Chicago girl working in, in San Antonio, uh, kind of like our new friend, uh, your boy Q, is a Bay Area guy working in Central Texas uh, for ESPN. So maybe that's just where you got to go to kick things off with your career. You got to go and, and, and uh, bake in Texas for a while before you can move on to the places you really want to go to. So I don't know. We'll have to see uh, about that. 
Uh, we're also going to have Emery Moorhead uh, back on the show. I'm going to have him on the week of training camp. Um, I got to talk to Emery and to see about having him on to talk about uh, the training camp and, and the rigors of it. And um, even though it's nowhere near what it was during his day, he can offer some insight on, on how you have to get prepared uh, for training camp, the things you have to do, what training camp is like, you know, Basically, it's almost like going back to college. You're living in the dorms. You're amongst each other. Nobody goes home at the end of the night, that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, what is that like, and uh, does that make it um, an easier or a more difficult situation to get through? And then the last interview I want to announce is one that's very close to my heart, very dear uh, to me. Um, the, the gentleman's name is Don Patterson. Uh, for 20-plus years, he was, the, uh, he was an assistant, uh, head coach, to Hayden Fry at the University of Iowa. And I met Don Patterson after Hayden Fry retired and Coach uh, Patterson took the head coaching job uh, at Western Illinois, my alma mater. And I got to know Coach very well as I was working. I worked very closely with the football program while I was in the broadcasting department uh, at Western Illinois. He's a fantastic man. And after his time at Western Illinois ended, uh, he took a little bit of sabbatical. And when he returned to coaching, he returned as an assistant at the University of Buffalo. And you want to know who was there at the same time that Coach Patterson was at the University of Buffalo? You guessed it, a little guy by the name of Khalil Mack. So he's going to have some insights on what Khalil Mack was like before he became uh, Khalil Mack. I don't know if he was on, if he was still on the staff when Khalil Mack had his coming out party against Ohio State. Uh, in that crazy game at Ohio State where he had sacks. I think he scored a touchdown off a sack fumble or something like that. He went bananas. The next thing you know, Khalil Mack is a, is a national star. He's the number four pick in the upcoming draft, and today he's ours. So we'll talk to Coach Patterson uh, about his career, his life, and the time that he spent in Buffalo with Khalil Mack and what he might have to share with us uh, there. So those are four very awesome guests that I'm uh, going to have on the show. See what else I can crank out uh, in the meantime. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited about all of these. I've been trying to get Adam on the show uh, for a while. Uh, love to talk about to talk to Emery about what training camp is like for players and uh, so forth. See what Carolina has to uh, – or Carolina. She is Latina, so maybe it's Carolina. Um, but what she has to offer uh, and, and what we're going to talk about with her, that's – I'm just looking for a fun conversation there. I don't even know what we're going to talk about yet. I know it's going to be Bears, but we'll see where that goes. And then Coach Patterson, that is definitely the crown jewel, in my opinion, of, of these interviews and the talk that I'm most looking forward to. So be sure to, to come on back and keep your eyes on the, uh, on the Twitter feed and on the Facebook page to uh, find out when the episodes uh, are coming out so you can listen uh, to these, uh, what I'm sure are going to be, very fun conversations and great interviews. And so uh, that is going to do it for the uh, part one of our NFC North preview. Come back on Friday. I'm going to let you have the holiday off. Come back on Friday after the holiday on the 5th for part two with Evan Western from Acme Packing Company to talk about the 2019 Green Bay Packers. So uh, enjoy your holiday. Come back on Friday to listen to uh, the preview on the Packers. And until then... My name is Larry D, and this has been Bears Talk Underground.